And again, thank you to our, our teenagers and our young people for leading us in worship this morning. That was amazing. So what a joy. And uh, just to close my eyes and to, to, to praise God uh, with you. So it's amazing to see the, the gifts that God has here too. And so, hey, good work. Just want to encourage you again there. This morning, we're going to continue on with the series. We began this series uh, a few weeks ago. And it's called Jesus the Game Changer 2, with a focus on sending out, sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we've looked at a number of uh, themes so far. We've looked at the commission, Jesus' words, uh, to send out his disciples to go and spread the good news. Jesus' last words, our first priority. And then we looked at our new identity in Christ. And that as we focus on our identity in him, it compels us to go and to share the good news with people around us. Today I would like to take a little bit of a side berth, if that's okay. (laughs) This is an extra. If you go and look at the original series, you won't find this in the pack or the, the resources. So this has been tailored for us here this morning. And part of this message comes out, I guess, probably some convictions and some passions of my own. For those who don't know, I was a a volunteer youth worker and young adults worker and pastor for over 15 years uh, before I came here in this senior role. And so I have a a big passion in my heart also to see young people come to know Jesus for themselves. Part of our mission, yes, is to share the good news and to be his witnesses in in Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth, which is is locally, and it's in my local neighbourhood, it's in my region, it's it's to the far ends of the earth. But today I want to focus on a a region that couldn't get closer to home, quite literally. I want to focus on this. I'd like to focus on faith, family and mission. The place of family in faith formation. You see, I'd like to dispel a myth. And this is something, of course, that I worked with for many, many years. And the myth is simply this, that our young people within our churches who've grown up in the church are going to automatically go on to be believers and are already, we assume that they are already believers in Christ and have a faith in him. I want to put it to you this morning that a mission field that we have here as a community, as a church, are our very young people within our midst and their friends and those that they know. So if you're here this morning and you're one of those young people, (laughs) this is a little bit targeted to you. I hope you don't feel discouraged or targeted. I hope you'll feel encouraged because I want you to know this. We love you. We want to be a a church that opens our arms and where you feel welcome, where you feel like you can come and share worship nearly every week if you'd like. And I say, why not? Come on, do it. (laughs) As a church, we need to come to realise the place that we have in forming faith in our young people. Now, don't get me wrong, many do, and many of you already have a faith in Jesus. We're also not assuming the other, that, that, that you don't have faith, no. Many people do have a real relationship with Jesus, a real passion to seek him, and they're growing in their love for him. But we can't assume that that is the case. So I'd like to first focus here, faith formation in the home. And I want to look at this from two perspectives, and one is simply this, faith formation in the home, biological parents, step-parents, grandparents, the the people you grow up with, the the family in which you grow up in. And secondly, I want to look at faith formation in the church, our spiritual family, 
And so if you're here today thinking, but I don't have kids, I'm not a parent, don't worry. This is for all of us here this morning. In Australia, this is the landscape in regards to families and the family makeup in Australia. This data was taken from the last census, which was taken in 2016, which I believe means we'll have another census maybe next year. It's coming up. So we're sort of on the tail end um, of this data. It goes a few years back, but the most recent census data that we have. Most couple families with children in Australia are so-called intact families. That is 89.94%. One-parent families with dependent children comprise around 8% of all Australian families. 6.3% of families are step-families and over 60,000 grandparents are parents, so-called, in Australia. The truth is this, that families in Australia are changing. They're shifting. They're more blended. They're more unique than we've ever seen. And since this was taken, that trend, of course, has continued. And why do I share this? I share this because the family is one of the most important places for faith formation in our young people. Parents, if you're here today, and I'll include grandparents in this, you play one of the most significant roles in the formation of faith in your children. Read this quote. It's from a a book called Growing Young. Six Essential Strategies to Help Young People Discover and to Love Your Church. They write, Parents carry the most important weight in their kids' faith development. This is true not only in childhood, but also in adolescence. Research continues to affirm that the predictor of a young person's faith is the faith of their parents. Of course, this is not always the case, but research shows that One of the greatest influences in a person's life is the faith of their parents, faith of grandparents. It can be easy to rely on other sources for education of all types in our world. We have wonderful resources in the communities in which we live. We can send our kids to school where they're they're taught how to do maths and to do English, all the things that we parents pretend we can do but we really can't do. So we send them to a school. We can do the same in a spiritual sense. We can farm out that responsibility to the church in which we're a part of, to the pastor or the, the youth pastor that looks after the kid or the leader in the, in, in the, the small group. He's my child. Look after them. You form their faith. But the reality is if we want to see our young people grow in faith, the most important place for that to begin is in the home. I'd like to unpack this a little as we look at some biblical principles. Just a couple passages for us. There are many. And one of my challenges this morning was cutting out so much. And so here's just a couple that are core to this theme. Firstly, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You notice this is specifically to fathers at this point in time, but it's an encouragement to parents, I guess. But I find this interesting if you pause for a moment. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, when you hear the word discipline, what do you think? I know what's going on in some heads right here. As the discipline, you think of a belt, you think of a rod, you think of you know, harshness. But how does this verse begin? Do not provoke your children to anger. It even frames this idea to say, don't actually think of discipline in that harsh manner. 
Don't provoke your children to anger. Discipline them. So here's the question. Because they almost seem to contradict each other. If, if, if what we think of as discipline is this sort of harshness and this, this disciplinary form of doing things, well, this contradicts itself. So what's actually being said in regards to discipline here? Did you know this? Discipline is, comes from the same root word as disciple. There's the, the word for you there. Literally, the root word for discipline is to train up, to dedicate, to initiate, to disciple. I wonder as a parent if you've ever thought of yourselves as discipling your children, training them up in the ways of the Lord. I'll be honest, when I started looking into this, this started to blow me away. I got really excited and challenged by this all at the same time. Because as Christian parents and for myself as a father, it means I'm growing up two little, growing up, helping two little boys grow up. And part of my role as a father and a father who believes in Jesus is not just to discipline them, but to disciple them. That's the, the true nature of the, the language and the word that is being shared, to disciple them. We see this carry through a little more in this Proverbs 22.6 verse. The language, I guess, helps lend to this a little more. Direct. Now that word direct in its original form is the same word as the previous word for discipline. But here it says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your children. It's a more true telling of the, the language, the original language. Train, encourage, apprentice, you could say. It presents a mental image of a person who has a craft, who passes on that craft to someone younger than them. The whole apprenticeship model. Here is a craft that I know and I know well. And you're going to walk alongside me. I'm going to walk alongside you and I'm going to train you in this. I'm going to pass these skills on. I'm going to pass this craft on to you so that you will also be able to continue on in the same ways. It's true. We all know that values are caught, not taught. As people follow our lives, as people watch us, that's where they see the things that we believe in, not just what we say. We know that we learn by the example of others. So if we think about this in regards to discipleship, as parents, as people bringing up and discipling our young ones, we're called to be people, to be an example. You see, you can't teach a craft that you don't know. You can't take on an apprentice and teach them some skill that you yourself have not perfected or that you are not walking in. The invitation is to come and to learn something that you already know. Now, YouTube, of course, is, a, is an amazing tool. You find yourself getting on YouTube, don't you? And then five hours later, you're clicking another thing and another thing and then another thing and then there are cats doing really weird things. You know, it always comes back to cute cats. I don't know why. Always comes back to cute cats. But it is an amazing how-to library. You can go onto YouTube and type in how-to and put in there anything and you will learn it. You will see it. Now, before YouTube, there are countless manuals, there, there are, there's countless writings on how to do tasks. But it's amazing how many people go to YouTube instead. Do you know why? We prefer to see it than to read it. Do you find that? 
prefer to see someone do it. I can read it, but I have to, I've got this mental image in my mind. I have to somehow create and interpret what's being said. But when I see someone doing it, I go, oh, that, yeah, okay, that makes sense. When you said loop this over this, over this, over this, you know, when you're trying to tie, ever tried to tie knots using written instructions? My goodness, put it through the rabbit ears and over the hump and over the, <laughs> just, what? But you see someone do it, oh, that's what a rabbit ear is. <laughs> I myself have learned to cook many dishes off YouTube, so I have a couple cooking nights in the week. YouTube is one of my favourite go-tos. Chicken, easy chicken recipes. Bonk, there we go. 10,000 people say this is a four-star rating, must be good. Done. Under 10 minutes. Done. We're there. I've learned countless dishes. I've also learned how to espalier some apple trees and fruit trees in my backyard along a fence to save some space. I read a number of books there were some that were so old you had to buy them and you, know, you could see that that would just come dusty you know, when you're looking on the internet. And so I, I just passed the books and went on to YouTube and I just watched person after person showing you how to do it. And now I have some espaliered fruit trees in my backyard. They still haven't fruited. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. May not be the best example, hey. Some of you are like, what's espaliering a fruit tree? <laughs> Go to YouTube and find out. <laughs> so when you take a fruit tree and you train it along a fence in two dimensions, widthways, ah, it's really good for, if you've got a small backyard, it's a good one. Everyone's going to check YouTube out now, aren't you? Yeah. I also learned, get this, my electric toothbrush stopped working because the battery was gone. Now, they're, they're not cheap electric toothbrushes and I learned in doing some reading because I love a project I just like to know how things work that it's often the battery in the toothbrush that goes and so I looked up on YouTube and there just happened to be someone who showed you how to replace the battery in the toothbrush that I had and you had to unsolder things and pull things apart and and I we had two electric toothbrushes we now only have one (laughs) okay the first one I made some mistakes on. The second one, it cost me 20 bucks for a battery and it's still working. It's still going strong, as good as new, thanks to how-tos on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not saying go to YouTube and learn how to be a Christian. <laughs> what I'm saying is we lend towards seeing. <laughs> we need examples. No matter how much we're told, there's something about seeing someone do it. That's when we can really pick it up, when we can really learn it. With that in mind, I want to come to this principle. I, I learnt this through 3DM. You may or may not 3DM. Come out of the UK. It's a discipling model, three-dimensional uh, discipleship. And they presented this idea, and I found it amazing. Okay, so I'm passing this on to you. And I think it reflects this idea of, of example and of imitation really, really well. I'm going to call it this, towards transformation diagram. Okay, what does the heading mean? It means this. If someone is transformed, if someone's living in a transformed way, it means they have taken a truth and made it their own. They've taken a truth and it is now informing their life. It's now shaping the way they do things. They're making decisions transformed by that idea. It's no longer an idea, it's a part of who they are. If we want to see people come to faith and be transformed by it, it needs to be more than an idea. Here's the triangle. Firstly this, we have information. 
We understand information. We're in a world that gives us more information than ever before. We've never had so much access to information, the amount of blogs and articles that are written and are before us that we can access on our phone. You could be doing it right now because you're not into this sermon. You could be on your phone YouTubing how to espalier a fruit tree. (laughs) We've got information overload. Information. Aha, here's the key one. We also need imitation. We need people to show us how it's done. And when we have those two things in place, we have truths and we have people to show us how to live those out, it's then that people can catch the ideas and it starts to transform them. But here's what happens so much in our world. See this other coloured arrow? We do this. We lump people with information and we expect transformation. We put them in a classroom and we give them all of these principles and we just expect them to go and to put it into their life and understand it and then have it change their lives. We go to seminars where we fill our minds with all of this stuff and then we go. Have you ever been to a conference and that stuff is great? You're writing notes like you've never written notes before. There's smoke coming off your paper because you just This is amazing. Two days later, you're sitting there going, I have no idea what that was or how to implement it was great but I just what do I, what do I do with it I've got a drawer and a file full of um, sermon notes but also conference notes that got filled out put there and I've referred to them every now and then they just sort of sit there I don't want to throw them away because it's good stuff I just don't know what to do with it anymore <laughs> that's the world we actually live in this is often how we naturally do things we We just tell, we inform, we instruct. The important piece to this puzzle is imitation. You see, our world is so full of information, but it lacks people of quality. It lacks people to imitate. Got more information than we've known what to do with. Less people to look to, to live lives that honour God. The crucial element in this picture is the imitation piece, I believe, in our culture and in our society. Information is the truth, and in this setting, it's the truth of God. Yes, it's the word of God. But we need examples to follow. Jesus was the greatest example of this. He didn't just speak from the heavens and give us information. He came down as a man in the flesh to say, look, here I am. And he didn't invite his disciples to come and to sit in a lecture or to sit in a classroom or to do a course. No, he said this, come and follow me. Follow me. In one beautiful passage, he actually invites the disciples to simply do this. Come and see. No pressure. Come and see how I live my life. Jesus' invitation for us to be disciples and to be people learning how to be like Jesus and his invitation is to follow him, is to see him as our example. That's why we pour over the scriptures because we look at how Jesus lived, how he lived. It's in this place that people can finally go, aha, I get it, I can see it, I can make it my own, I can make it mine. Here's the challenge for parents, grandparents. Here's the call. Be someone worth imitating. Be someone worth imitating. 
As I was thinking this through, I was reminded of my parents who are here today, actually, who aren't the perfect parents. No, wait, they're here. They're the perfect parents. (laughs) No, they're not the perfect parents. They're mine. And as I look back on my childhood, I can remember my mum. Sorry. I can remember my mum each night just praying with us. She didn't pull out the Bible saying, you must pray. No, she just took us and prayed with us. I remember going to church, sitting with mum as a very young toddler. And as you do as parents, you snuggle into mum. Mum's a softer. You snuggle into mum. And she used to sing, and I can remember hearing her worship, almost not from her voice, but just from the vibration there was that, and, and sensing her love to worship. I remember often getting out of bed late at night when we were meant to be sleeping and walking past the study door and seeing my dad sitting at the study, reading scripture, pouring over it, pouring over it, just ingesting it. These were examples for me of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So parents, grandparents, what are your children catching from you? It's a challenge, isn't it? Do they see you praying? Do you pray with them? Do they see you reading God's word? Do do you read God's word with them? Do Do you sit with them and just enjoy opening God's word with them? Kids are watching. No matter what you say, they're going to pursue and follow what you do. As I say all of that, I know this. And that's why there's more to the story here. As I say that, some of the parents and grandparents out there are saying, yes, I get this, yep, amen. Some of you are just sitting there going right now, oh, that's too much of a weight to bear. You might be sitting here thinking of the past. Parents who've got kids who've grown up and you look back and go, I wish I'd known that then. (laughs) I know as I share this, many of you will feel the weight, the responsibility of this. And that's why we're going to continue because imitation is not just for blood relatives or for biological families, for step-parents. It's for something else and it looks like this. It's called the church. The spiritual family, the spiritual element of God's people coming and meeting together. As we look at faith formation in the church, I want you to notice something. This isn't another point. This isn't an extra point. It's actually parallel to the one we've already looked at. The same pictures of family we see, they use as an analogy for the spiritual family. As believers in Christ, we represent a spiritual family. We know as we read scripture, we're called children of God, we're brothers and sisters in faith. God is our our spiritual father. We see this all throughout scripture, it's this thread that weaves all throughout. So the joy is this, as parents and as grandparents, if you're part of a church community, you are not alone. It's not your weight to carry on your shoulders can just just you just you've got people around you to come alongside you to encourage you and to to uh, affirm you in this 
That African proverb, you may know it, that it takes a village to raise a child. You know that one? It is so true. Yes, parents are a a massive part of the formation of children, but a village is also needed to help raise our young ones and to raise people in faith. And can I also say, in regards to spiritual, that, that talks about spiritual children too. People who've come to faith. You might be 80 and you've come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're a spiritual infant. Like a spiritual baby, you need people around you to affirm you, to grow you, to, to, to help you grow. That's what the church community is about. That's why church is not an event. It's not a service at 10am. It's a community of people coming to encourage and inspire one. Challenge, encourage each other to walk for Jesus and to do it together. Yes, the primary place of faith formation occurs in the home, but we have a spiritual family to support us, to help us, encourage us. Because families are never perfect. Have you noticed? (laughs) There's going to be a hole somewhere, a failure somewhere. But God is gracious. He brings people around us, often to fill those gaps and to help us go on. In the church, we have spiritual fathers, we have spiritual mothers, spiritual brothers, spiritual sisters. We see this. I'm going to borrow from Paul's writing today because we are looking at the early church. Here's a couple of passages for you to, to, to paint this picture for you. This is Paul writing. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Now Paul, he's not talking to his real children. He didn't have children. He wasn't even married. But he speaks about those that he's, he's guiding and shepherding like a, a spiritual father. 1 Corinthians 4 from verse 14 also says, I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. Are they his biological children? No, no, they're not. For even if I had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to, what does he say there? Imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And Paul talks about Timothy in this way many times. He's like my son, my son. He's not his biological son. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. You start to see this same idea of imitation there as well, don't you? Paul continues to say these words. The same theme of imitation emerges all throughout Scripture too. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. They're bold words, aren't they? If you've been a follower of Jesus, have you ever come to someone and said, you want to know what it looks like to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus? Emulate your life on mine. (laughs) Sounds a little arrogant, doesn't it? (laughs) I'm so good. (laughs) But there's this honesty in this which is simply saying this, look, this is what it looks like. It's not saying I'm the perfect example of this, but he's an example to follow. Come, come, walk with me. I'll show you what this looks like in the same way others have shown me and who have gone before. Look next here. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's the encouragement. What you have seen me do, go do the same. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Then there's this extra part. (laughs) But give yourselves, sorry, we give ourselves as an example to imitate. This same theme, imitate, imitate, imitate. 
And then this look. Not only does he say imitate me, he encourages the church and the body of believers to go and to be someone to imitate. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. Paul writes this to Timothy who's a young man who's leading a church and everyone in the church is saying, this guy is too young. He doesn't have his theological degree. I'm older than him. He writes this, young people, he writes this to him and, and he simply says, show them, be an example to them by the way you live. Now, young ones here, now I say that and I feel like I'm one of those still, so, but anyway. <laughs> you have this amazing opportunity, don't ever feel that you don't have something to teach anyone else here. The way you guys live your life often is with far more passion and with trust than we have. Live your lives passionately for Jesus. Know this, even the grey-haired ones here can learn from you. From your example, the way that you love Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's a corner here. I'm sorry to just target you. There's a few scattered throughout here. That's what this encouragement is. Be, Be an example. 2 Timothy 3 says, You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. See, look, you have followed me. You've imitated me. You can't get more clearer. Brothers, join in imitating me. We need people in our families and in our churches to imitate. We need examples of faith, not just good sermons, not just good worship. Men and women who love God, who are willing to say, you know what, come and see my life. Who are willing to say, I'll invest in you, I'll take interest in you. Because intergenerational relationships are key. Look at this quote. This is from an article called The Church Sticking Together. And they write this after a a lot of research in regards to this. It says, it turns out that intergenerational relationships are one key to building lasting faith in students or in young people. More than any single program or event, kids were far more likely to feel like, sorry, kids were far more likely to feel like a significant part of their local churches when adults made the effort to get to know them. Don't you love that? It doesn't say to run them through a discipleship program, to mentor them extensively. It simply says to do what? Get to know them. Take interest. As I read this, a person came to mind, Trevor Frew. Many of you might know this, this gentleman. He, he's not with us anymore. Uh, after my first few years here at the church, uh, he passed away. Uh, he was an energetic man, if, if you knew him. <laughs> had a big laugh. He was part of our leadership team. Got to work with him quite closely. But he had a love for young people. And at church, any, on any given week, you would see him from where he'd sit. He would just walk over and find a young person and he'd just say, Hi, I'm Trevor. And he'd sit with them and just talk with them. He'd show interest. He'd ask questions about their lives. And I see some who would have known him are nodding. <laughs> he didn't do much, but go and show and express interest in them. And the very people whom he did that for are sitting here right now nodding. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Such a simple thing. I want to encourage, doesn't matter how old you are, there's always someone younger than you. Doesn't matter how old you are. I want to encourage you, just look out for someone. As you come here each week, look out for the young ones, the younger ones. They could be 60, but they could be younger. 
Go. Encourage them. It doesn't take much. Just take interest in their lives. Ask how they're doing. Read this also. This was written by Carson. You who are older should be looking out for younger people and saying in effect, watch me. I'll show you how to have a family devotion. Come, come show, I'll show you how to read the Bible. Come, I'll, I'll show you some of the fundamentals of faith. Come, I'll, I'll show you how to pray. Come, I'll, I'll show you how to do life. Just come. Let me show you how to be a Christian. Let me show you how to be a, a husband, a father, a wife or a mother. He writes, at a certain point in life, older mentors should also be saying such things as, come and watch me and I'll show you how to die. As I surrender my life for Jesus, 100%, come watch me. doesn't take much to show love and to show care. And as a community, as a church, we have a youth ministry, we have a, we have a Sunday school that's running right now. <laughs> Often our Sunday school is run by the parents, almost like this rotational thing, which is great. The parents, they, they understand the need for that. But our young people up there, they need people of all ages. They need grandparents. <laughs> they need young adults who can just come alongside them and say that you matter. I went to Russia on mission trips and I took a couple times some grandparents with me. The first time I wasn't sure, but I felt God saying, do it. So I remember taking this one gentleman in, in uh, on one trip in particular to this youth camp of over 300 kids and the rest of the team were like hip young adults. Now, I'm not hip because I use the word hip. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I don't even know what to use, okay? So you can teach me later. But I took this older gentleman and I remember thinking, I wonder how, where he'll find his place. You know what happened? He was the most popular person on that campsite. Crave the love of grandparents. There's something about them. They just look friendly and lovable and they have time and, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not one. But I know young people love them. They just do. Older people who are just willing to say, you know what, I'll come and love you. It's just, it's so simple. Youth ministry needs adults and parents to just help and support. Don't think because you don't have kids or, or you're too old that you can't help in this. No, just get in there. Church, look out for people. Encourage them, especially the younger ones. Because faith formation in our young ones is crucial both in the home and it's crucial in the church. Absolutely crucial. I'm going to finish. <laughs> I don't even know what the time is. got excited. Pray that as you're watching, looking at your time now, as you go out on this Mother's Day, I pray that you can celebrate with, this, with your family. I know for some of you today's a tough day. In the midst of the pain, maybe sit and reflect on the memories you had. Push into God and find what you need in Him. As you go out, I just want you to know this. You have the ability to invest and to encourage people who are younger than you, either in age or in faith. Don't think that small little things won't make a difference. They make a huge difference. Enormous. It's crucial that we invest in our young ones, in our families, in our churches. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for our church. I want to thank you that as we come here each week, we have people of all ages. 
from just born, Lord, to ready to see you. Lord, we thank you for all the different people, Lord, that we have here. Ages, nationalities, Lord, we just thank you. Today, Lord, we've just been out of focus on this one simple truth, Lord, that faith formation in our young people is, 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 is affected, Lord, in the home, in our spiritual family here at church. And enable us, Lord, as a community, help us to look out for those around us whom we could encourage. Be it younger in age, younger in faith, Lord, help us to go and to look for people that we can just simply encourage. Maybe that there are those people also that we could look out to. We could give the invitation, hey, follow me. I'd like to show you what it means to live for Jesus. I'd like to show you at least what I've learned. <laughs> let's talk, let's chat. Father, help us to look out for each other and to help each other grow in our faith, Father, especially our young ones. And today, Lord, we commit each one of them to you now in Jesus' mighty name. We ask that you would be at work in their lives. You would be drawing them to yourselves. Help us, Lord, as who are older or mature in faith, Lord, to build them up. Challenge us also, Lord, in our lives. Help us to be people worth imitating. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would challenge, encourage, that right now you would just reach into the depths of our hearts and our souls that you would shape us. Lord, we even come asking for your forgiveness, Lord, where we have failed. We haven't measured up. But we thank you that you come and that you are gracious, that you forgive us, that you give us the strength to go on. So for each one of us from this moment on, Lord, we just commit to be people worth imitating. So Christ, take us, shape us, use us. We go now also blessing our mums who have shaped us. For some for good, for some for bad. We commit them to you and ask that you would be at work in their lives if they're still with us. Lord, as we go, if they are, we pray that you can help us to bless our mothers today. Be with a phone call, a gift, whatever that may be, however difficult that may be, help us to be a blessing. Above all else, help us to to be people that love you and pursue you with all that we are in every aspect of our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name and God's people say, Amen. Amen.